last week on the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast, as well as some older stuff that obliterated Nate or was a little bit naughty. Jalen Rager's a four-star prospect, but there are no five-star prospects. There just happens to be more four-star prospects than I've ever seen in a draft class. And so if you take a player off the show sheet, you're spoiling it. If you ponder the question, you're giving dead air. It's a win-win for me. It's a lose-lose for you. Welcome to the premise of the show. And he did all of that on a broken foot. It's worth repeating. Julio Jones did that on a broken foot. And what does Busu Boo do? He's the one in the submarine. He's doing the dirty work that we won't do in our ivory towers, surrounded by overpriced memorabilia. Nate? Got these on discount, Matt. And the Breakout Finder podcast seems to be talking about everything except the Breakout Finder. And that feels like a problem. That signals to me a catastrophic failure by the host of the show, Nate Liss. I'm sure there could be more education on it. It's the reason the podcast exists! The shows are more than just a vehicle for you and Ryan to chit-chat and have a good time. None of this matters. What Ryan and I are doing doesn't matter because guess what? Matt's going to figure it out. You think that anybody in their right mind wants to do three podcasts a week? And There is an alternative gladiator spectacle that we could all migrate to if you don't meet our demands, slave owners. And you certainly spend an inordinate amount of time on graphics. Your graphics are some of the best in the industry. Very few people can compete with your graphics. Now, nobody knows what the fuck the breakout finder is and what it does and why it's valuable, but Jesus fucking Christ, the show has great graphics. And once you've seen what we've seen, you can't unsee it. You guys have seen some shit. You've seen some shit. I wish I had a long cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> Hands are shaking. Yeah. <laughs> we have seen some shit. When we drink coffee, our hands shake. That's right. That's right. That's right. We've seen things you can't unsee. Yeah. In the line of duty. You guys, you guys have your medals. Your... We don't have anything. <laughs> We were dropped behind enemy lines and forgotten about. <laughs> we're just scalping motherfuckers in the woods. <laughs> Next thing you know, we blow up Hitler and the war's over. You uh, are uh, the Aldo reign of, of Dynasty takes. And look, if he runs that fast, how does he not go at least day three? If he runs in the four threes, he's going to go day three. There's no day after day three. There's no day four. And God, I'm so good at this. It's crazy. I'd sit there for a couple seconds and just marvel at myself. I wish I had like one of those handheld barber mirrors. I could just hold it up to my face and just look at it after a take like that. It's so good. I don't know how I'm this good. I don't even know how I do it. People ask me, how are you so good at this? And I don't even know. I just black out and talk and what comes out is, is fucking sports poetry. And I respect the craftsmen of this world, dead and alive. I mean, you know, Matt, they didn't have to pull permits back then. I don't know that any of that is still standing. Jerusalem is one of the most historic places in the world because a lot of these structures from 2,000 years ago are still standing. And it's a problem if the co-host of the Breakout Finder podcast wouldn't know the Breakout Finder if it slapped him in the face. And 
I thought Kelly had a whole tattoo sleeve. Looked closer, just hair. Grizzly. It's going to be a good show. Man. Was that Kirsten Dunst's dream a wet dream? <laughs> no, it wasn't a wet dream. Thank you very much. I have had a wet dream once when I was 15. I woke up and I was having sex with my pillow. This fucking show has no boundaries. Man. Do you know the sound I make when I ejaculate? Like the sound of like a... Oh, okay. It's not what I expected. That's got to be weird for your wife. Man. Todd Haley and his wife don't believe in wearing clothes at all. Man. It's the best way to go out on a sweatpant boner. And Is this the time when you think people start masturbating to the show? What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Nate Liss. You can find me on Twitter at an you. And with me tonight is Mr. Matt Kelly. You can find him on Twitter at fantasy underscore mansion. Matt, how is it going this evening? I got nothing, Nate. I got mm. nothing. I looked at the show sheet. I looked at my notes. I looked at the internet. I looked at my phone. I got nothing. I got nothing. I got a little rabbit here. A little rabbit named Ashton. Mm. Just picked him up from the animal shelter. So my daughter has her first real pet. His name is Ashton. And we've decided the best place for him to stay temporarily until his hutch arrives is my studio. So that's cool. Hey, Ashton, how are you doing? He's not ready to be picked up yet. I'd pick him up so you could see him in the camera, but he's not ready. He's not comfortable enough to let me pick him up. Rabbits don't like it when people pick him up anyway. It feels like a hawk picking them up. They don't like the feeling of a hawk picking them up. My talons reaching down. I have a rabbit. No, you don't. I do. I have a rabbit. I'll go get it. Her name is Brownie. You have a brownie? Rabbit? Yeah, I have a brownie. I have a rabbit. Yep. It's a show bunny. We don't show it, but that's what they call them, show bunny. So, yeah. Mine is not a show bunny. It's a chocolate mini lop. He's handsome, but he's just he likes to lounge around. He's a lounge bunny. Yeah, same thing. That's hilarious. They're pretty fun. I didn't think I was going to like a rabbit, but... Uh, you know, this one enjoys being kind of petted and, and touched, and it'll just flop over on its side and lay there and let you just... Oh, really? Oh, we're not there yet with Ashton. I was there with my childhood pet rabbit, Thumper, but Thumper was killed by a wild dog. <laughs> well, you, uh, you also need to potty train it. That's right. We didn't potty train Thumper. He lived in our barn somehow, some way. A wild dog got into the barn and got into his cage, don't ask me how, and ripped his head completely off. And the body was separated from the head in the middle of our driveway in front of the barn. And I walked out of the house and I saw my little pet bunny in two pieces on the ground. And it is an enduring memory, Nate. That may be the moment the pod father lost his innocence. That's um that's graphic and sounds traumatizing. <laughs> that is quite unfortunate. Here we are decades later. I finally summoned the courage to pet again. Mm. Once you go rabbit, you can't go back. They are fantastic. 
This is this is what we're doing. This is what we have for content for the people. This is it. This is what's available. No, 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 no. There are great debates happening across Dynasty Leagues about the quality of Clyde Edwards Hilaire. What is Clyde Edwards Hilaire? What are his range of outcomes? What's his upside look like? What's his downside look like? Where are you targeting Clyde Edwards Hilaire in rookie drafts, Nate Liss? Mm. Mm. Um, that's a good question. I think Clyde Edwards in the first round of a rookie draft for me is, you know, obviously towards the end of the first round. The assumption is that he will have requisite draft capital, day two draft capital. Um, I think that's the belief. There are some guys out there like, uh, God, Bucky, whatever the hell. He thinks that he's going in the first round, apparently. Bucky, whatever the hell. Yeah, I can't remember his name. But anyways, one of the NFL guys, NFL.com. Way to attribute the analysis. I'm sorry. I, I can't give credit to it. It was. I believe it's Bucky Brooks. Yeah, whatever. So, anyways, Bucky, sure, Bucky Brooks. Listen, Bucky, shots fired. Oh yeah, shots fired. Bucky Brooks. Buck shots at Bucky. He had Calvin Ridley. Calvin, who the hell? Yeah, it was uh, Riley Ridley in his top five just a year ago. Oh, Bucky. Had him pegged as a first round pick. Oh, Bucky. I can't believe he's still rolling with the name Bucky. He's an adult. Yeah. This is an adult. Who calls himself Bucky? I think about this all the time. No, there's so many names that I, I go, eh, you know, about about 16, you just drop the you just drop the whatever part of that name and go with the, you know, you just go with the shortened version. There's just a lot of names out there, but Bucky is a great I I, I maybe doesn't want to go by Buck, you know? Maybe doesn't want to go by Buck. I'll drop the foreplay. We have Clyde Edwards Hilaire ranked number nine overall in this class. And the combine didn't help him. And not only did it not help him, I believe it hurt him. I believe it hurt him because it put him in a place where he now lacks comparable players in the NFL. It's impossible to find a close, successful comp for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because he ran the 4-6. Had he run a 4-5, he'd be knocking on the door of the top five, but that 4-6 matters. It matters a lot. It matters more for running backs than any other position. 40 time matters. Straight line speed for running backs really matters. And now he looks like a more explosive version of James White. He goes from possibly becoming Brian Westbrook to a pumped up James White. Do you agree? I mean, yes and no. Here's the thing. We don't have his agility score. I talked to you about this off air. Look at LaShawn McCoy. I mean, I know LaShawn McCoy's career has been incredible. We're talking about five tenths of a second here. We have LaShawn McCoy's agility score. We don't have Clyde Edwards, but Clyde Edwards looks elusive on film. So it's hard to believe his agility score would be poor. Even if his agility score is 80th percentile, then LaShawn McCoy would be one of his comps. But LaShawn McCoy is also a generational player. You could argue that LaShawn McCoy is in many ways more generational than a Saquon Barkley, than a Jonathan Taylor. That LaShawn McCoy is more similar to Christian McCaffrey and that these are satellite back plus backs that commanded workhorse touches consistently throughout their NFL career. Those players come along less frequently than the bigger, stronger, faster workhorse backs that 
command 250 touches in year one and beyond. So to compare Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to a once-a-decade talent profile is a recipe for disappointment. That's the problem. And then you look at Keyshawn Vaughn, and Keyshawn Vaughn has a cornucopia of successful comps. He's 5'10", 214. So he's bigger, faster, and was equally as effective in the passing game as Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He just happened to do it at Vanderbilt. The reason why we prefer Keyshawn Vaughn over Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is the same reason we prefer Cam Akers to J.K. Dobbins. Because you have to consider the productivity in the context of the offense in which these running backs operated. J.K. Dobbins was relegated for a significant portion of the 2018 college football season by street free agent Mike Weber. So you have to take those 2,000 yards he posted the following season in context. You have to discount that 2,000 yards he posted the following season, knowing that he's doing this at Ohio State, a football production factory. That's what they do. And that's also why we have metrics like college dominator. It puts production in context. It shows a percentage of the running backs rushing yards and receiving yards, rushing touchdowns and receiving touchdowns as a share of the overall offense in which they operated. Keyshawn Vaughn is top three among NFL running backs in dominator rating in the 2020 NFL draft class. So is Cam Akers. So is Jonathan Taylor. That's your top three. That's a hell of a top three. You name a metric, Nate, with a better top three than Dominator. I give you Jonathan Taylor. I give you Cam Akers. I give you Keyshawn fucking Vaughn. You know who's not in there? J.K. Dobbins ain't in there. J.K. Dobbins ain't close. And you know who definitely isn't in there? You know who barely registered a Dominator rating at all at LSU? Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Because Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a system running back. Boy, there's a, there's a lot to chew on there. Um, the thing I would caution about the Ohio State take would be, of course, a guy like Ezekiel Elliott. It, it didn't matter how good the offensive line was. Ezekiel Elliott was that good. So it's hard to define whether it's the O-line the whole time. But we don't know. We don't know. J.K. Dobbins opted out of the athleticism testing at the NFL Scouting Combine. He ran away, scared to test Nate. You know, I recently had a Reddit AMA. The Dynasty Reddit welcomed the podfather for a post-combine, ask me anything. And by ask me anything, it really means ask me good questions, because I'll ignore questions like fuck, Mary kill, Mike Clay, Christopher Harris, Michael Fabiano. Okay, so I, I don't want to fuck those guys. I don't want to kill those guys. I don't want to marry those guys. Stupid question, and it's not going to get an answer. So you can't ask me anything. I mean, there's a lot of things you can't ask me. So technically, you can't ask me anything, but I'm not going to answer anything. So it's not actually I'll answer anything. It's ask me anything. doesn't mean I'll answer. It's a loophole in the Reddit. I did answer this question. What do you need to see from J.K. Dobbins at his pro day to solidify him as a top three running back in this class? And in order for Dobbins to rise into the top three, well, he needs to supplant Cam Akers. So I said, well, J.K. Dobbins needs to gain 10 pounds and then get in a time machine and go back and catch more passes from bad quarterbacks and create more yards behind a terrible offensive line. And after he does all that, run a 4-5 flat. How about that? Mm. And then the Redditite replied, Okay, sounds like you're not a Dobbins guy. <laughs> no! <laughs> 
I'm not a Dobbins guy. Of course I'm not a Dobbins guy. Dobbins weighed in at 209, and then he decided not to test. I mean, that's the worst case scenario. I mean, he's the anti-Eno Benjamin. Eno Benjamin played the process like a violin. When he needed to be as quick and explosive as possible, he slimmed down, weighed in at 195 at the Senior Bowl. And then, when it was all about size-adjusted athleticism, he beefed up to 207 and exceeded expectations every step of the way. J.K. Dobbins did the opposite. When you needed to show either size or speed, he came in light and didn't run. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? Wait, you can't. You you hit it with one or the other. Wait, so you're cutting weight to not run? Who is giving you guidance? Fire your trainer. LaVisca Chenault and Zach Mossy to fire their agent. J.K. Dobbins needs to fire his trainer and his chef and everyone associated with his NFL draft preparation because that was a failure. If he weighs in at 215, then he qualifies as a potential workhorse back in the NFL. He has requisite size. Then we're excited to see what he does at his pro day. Maybe he runs fast, jumps high, he's super agile, checks all the boxes. Okay, you've made a strong enough case. We'll rank you ahead of Cam Akers. But at this point, I don't know what he can do. He has to lay out the case for J.K. Dobbins' satellite back? Somehow better than Cam Akers? All-purpose workhorse? Fuck out of here. Won't happen. Not going to happen. I'm I'm honestly surprised by your take. I, I really am because... The fact that he didn't run at the combine changes nothing about his athleticism, for one. Number two, he's already been laser-timed in the past, running a 4.45. He's already been tested and jumped a 43-inch vertical. Everybody knows that he's a good athlete. That's not even a question. Wait, wait, wait. A, a what vertical? A 43-inch vertical. Wait, really? Yeah, he's got... Let's see here. Yeah, he jumped a 43-inch vertical at the Nike opening. So we already know he can jump. Oh. We already know he can run. Wait, I, I didn't know his burst was that impressive now hold on there's a little more to this let's keep going first off oh you said he needs to go back to college and catch more passes he caught more passes and was more efficient of a pass catcher than ezekiel elliott coming out of college then you talked about his weight the difference between his weight and the weight of say deandre swift is a big shit on a saturday morning it's about four pounds So that can't be a big gap. So we know he's athletic, even though he didn't test. We know he was prolific. He did exactly what, the, what Ezekiel Elliott did. He's not that much lighter than DeAndre Swift. So the only sticking point really that you have is that you think he's undersized, which weight gain can happen. And if you're fine with Swift, five pounds is nothing. And that he didn't test. So he didn't test. So we've got that. We agree on that. But the historical production and athleticism is evident. It's already out there. We already know. Nobody's questioning his athleticism. Nobody was ever questioning his athleticism. That's the one thing. I don't have a response to that. I think I think I got to go ahead and take Dobbins now. <laughs> what? What kind of show has this become? Recent research has shown that empirical evidence for globalization of corporate innovation is very limited. And as a corollary, the market for technologies is shrinking. As a world leader, it's important for America to provide systematic research grants for our scientists. I believe strongly there will always be a need for us to have a well-articulated innovation policy with emphasis on human resource development. Thank you. Oh. 
What happened? I blacked out. Well, that was interesting. <laughs> Thank you very much. And uh, your rebuttal, Mr. Carville. Uh, we have no response. But that was perfect. That's the way you do it. That's the way you debate. What can I say? What happened to you? You told me you weren't prepared. You sandbagging motherfucker. You sandbagging son of a bitch. I just walked into the ring with a velociraptor. Mm. You're a take mm. raptor. This is crazy. I don't have a face anymore. We got Dobbins is three pounds lighter than DeAndre Swift, for Christ's sakes. Come on. Come on. But was DeAndre Swift ever relegated by Mike Weber? Was he ever relegated? No, he did not play with Mike Weber. <laughs> no, he but Mike Weber was good. Everybody thought Weber was good coming out. Now, his draft grade, not the same. I Here's my thing. I just think that that Dobbins is much better than being given credit for. I appreciate the ADP tank that you are giving him. I'm fine with that. I like Dobbins a lot. I prefer my running backs to be bigger than him. I will 100% concede the fact that he is undersized. We would have loved to have seen him come in at 215. Would you also concede that had Cam Akers gone to Ohio State, he would have been even more productive than J.K. Dobbins? Yes. I like Cam Akers more than I like Dobbins. Wait, what? Wait, you just did all that? You killed me for no reason? I'm dead. I'm dead in the, in the middle of the ring. I don't have a face. Well, why did you do that to me? It was a KO. I had nothing. You didn't need to do that. I mean, it's been 120 shows coming. <laughs> sure. I mean, you can only get pushed in a corner for so long. I mean... <laughs> Chew your way out. I mean, I've never enjoyed dying more than seeing you rise up like that. But you so you agree. I do agree. If you're on the clock and you have to pick between Acres and Dobbins, you got to go Acres. Yeah. Acres is awesome. Yes. Acres is awesome. But now I'm sensing, wait, you have Dobbins ahead of DeAndre Swift? Are you the one guy in the industry that has Swift outside his top three? Whoa, 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 whoa. Now, hold on. Let's let's talk about this for a second. Because these running backs, I've seen lists go all different directions. I've seen people rank these guys in, you know, in various spots. For me, for me, I this is this is a back and forth thing. I hate that you ask these questions because I like DeAndre Swift a lot and I like Dobbins and Akers. They're all the same. God, this is what happens, man. You black out one time on the show and you give the most unstoppable irrefutable take and then i ask a simple question about where you rank player x Here. and you just vacillate and stumble around and filibuster and give the audience a whole bunch of nothing for 30 seconds here's my rank i did this on my patreon show here it comes okay a little lesson from the podfather when you reference your patreon give the link what is it yeah you can find it at patreon.com forward slash breakout finder wait breakout finder I will. Yeah, it's it's I have to change the Wait, forward what? slash. It's what it's been. It's forward slash breakout finder. But the breakout finder is not just you. Right. We've built an entire breakout finder organization. It's a it's, it's a living, breathing organism made of a, a number of people contributing. How are you the sole face of breakout finder? How did this happen? Uh, Patreon, man. They won't let me change that link. I got to alter that link. Subvert an entire brand and make it your own without consulting with anyone else that may also 
be a part of it. If you go over there, it says Breakout Finder TV a hundred thousand times in a million places. That's just the hyperlink that they well, gave. Breakout it. Finder TV. We agreed that you would call it Breakout Finder yes. TV. I like Breakout Finder TV. I can't control the hyperlink. It's, but it's not just Breakout Finder. It's set, well, that's if that's a little too broad, don't you think? If I so go to forward slash Breakout Finder TV, they're going to get a broken link. I don't know. What you, you want me to go back in time and not help you with the Breakout Finder? What do you want me to do? You want me to go back in time and give them a hyperlink that doesn't work? For Christ's sakes, Kelly, listen, let me give you the... I'm back! I'm back! I'm back from the dead! I put my face back on! And I have one of those uh, long sticks with the lasso at the end that the zookeepers use. Oh, for <laughs> Suddenly, I have the raptor under control. The animal control tool. Uh, yes. Let me just give you the five so we can move on. Number one, Jonathan Taylor. Number yes, two, Jonathan Taylor. Whoa, 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 hold on. Let's second rule. Oh, here we go. Of <sighs> Dynasty Podcasting, after you give the full URL, whenever you mention your Patreon, the second is you never gloss over Jonathan Taylor. You don't just list Jonathan Taylor's name among a bunch of other names. If you say the name Jonathan Taylor, be prepared to genuflect at the feet of Jonathan Taylor. He is one of the best running back prospects to ever come out of college football. Yes, an elite athlete, 77th percentile spark, 71st percentile burst, elite speed, ran a 4.39. There are only six running backs to ever do this if you're counting Antonio Gibson. Well, I don't know. You consider him a running back, correct? Antonio Gibson is absolutely a running back. And I thought you were going to say... I thought you were going to talk about the unprecedented production of Jonathan Taylor. Of course. Three straight 2,000-yard seasons? Can I get to that? i got to go down the list. Three straight? Wait, three straight? Two, wait, I still don't believe it. I still think that's a typo. I've called Stats Inc. I've called the NCAA. I've tried to figure out. This can't be possible. Three straight seasons of 2,000 scrimmage yards. And I will say that Jonathan Taylor is in the top five all-time college rushers. Well, he's number six, excuse me. Jonathan Taylor's in the top six all-time, and the five runners listed ahead of him in rushing yards in college football history took four seasons to do what he did in three. All seniors, yes. He is the most impressive producer in the history of the running back position in college football. And then he went to the combine and posted a 99th percentile speed score. Think about that. Just think about that. Think about that. Think about what that means. That means that he's an indisputable top five running back prospect of all time. That you cannot find five of the running backs that you would put ahead of him all time coming out of college. I was asked on Reddit who has the highest ceiling among the running backs in this class. <laughs> I just laughed. Like, Of course it's Jonathan Taylor. You don't overthink this. And I was asked, well, who has the highest floor? <laughs> I laughed again. <laughs> of course, it's Jonathan Taylor. Oh, I'm sorry, Nate. You were saying about Jonathan Taylor? Mm. Well, I didn't want to say much about Jonathan Taylor because who doesn't know everything about Jonathan Taylor already? He's the talk of the town. Here's the third rule of Dynasty Podcasting. Oh, for Christ's sake. You can never talk enough about the top three players at the running back and wide receiver positions, respectively. The Dynasty audience can never get enough Jonathan Taylor talk, CeeDee Lamb talk, DeAndre Swift talk, and Jerry Judy talk. They just can't get enough. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you were saying, Nate? I don't want to talk about Jonathan Taylor. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. Let's move on. Number two. By the way, you might say, well, okay, he's explosive. Great, great, great. But we've seen running backs with great vision and incredible lateral quickness be super productive in the NFL. You don't need to have that Jonathan Taylor straight line speed in order to be a monster producer like Le'Veon Bell. And well, I would counter with, yes, Le'Veon Bell has one of the best size-adjusted agility scores ever posted. But do you know who else has one of the best size-adjusted agility scores in the player profiler database? Who's that? Jonathan Taylor! Eleven twenty-five agility score is 66th percentile at 226 pounds. <laughs> he has everything you would want, including receiving skills, 26 catches last season. Oh, 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 my heart. My heart aches for Jonathan Taylor. I do declare, Mr. Jonathan Taylor, oh, the things that this man will do for all of us debutantes at the NFL level. Did you think that we were going to somehow get out of this show without enough content? Do you remember half an hour ago where we were like, I don't, we don't have anything to talk about. I don't think we can do a show. You and I have spent 40 minutes on the top three running backs. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. We're really good at this. I think you and I are probably in lockstep on a majority of this. We're going to differ at some point, I'm sure. So let's recap. Your number one running back is Jonathan Taylor. You wanted to just motor right past him and go on to the next guy. I didn't allow you to do that. I forced you to apply the brakes, and actually discuss the sublime prospect profile, Jonathan Taylor. Mm -hmm. But now, please share your number two running back with us, Nate Liss. Mm -hmm. Uh, Number two, DeAndre Swift. Shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. Checks numerous boxes. That's right. And you need to take him in context. He was playing with another exceptional running back at Georgia. So he was sharing the field with another elite talent. Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle, and then this season... Zamir White. These are all players that have or will excel in the NFL. So with DeAndre Swift, I'm most focused on his efficiency against SEC competition, and it was excellent. It's no surprise after years and years of listening to me on this show, I am a I'm a conference whore. I appreciate the SEC production more than anything. And you you just brought it up. The teams that he faced year over year and the production that he was able to generate in these offenses and the ways he was able to do it as a runner, as a receiver, after the catch, you know, after contact, it's just impressive all around. Then he goes to the combine. Weighs in at 5'8", 212 pounds. 212 is fine. I'm, I'm absolutely happy with that. Put his BMI in the 87th percentile. So I think most people were okay with that. But then he runs a 4'4'8". That is fast. It's great. No, it's exactly what he needed to do to give people that level of comfort. So we've now seen him produce in the SEC. We can rationalize away the production early on. Uh, even this year, sharing time with top-level talent. And then his combine performance plus the receiving ability, I, I think all these reasons are why DeAndre Swift is going to be one of the earlier running backs taken in the NFL draft. Yeah, 17 receptions, 32 receptions, and then 24 receptions. 
in his true sophomore season, those 32 catches were on 36 targets. So an incredibly high catch rate as well. He's a phenomenal receiver. He's one of the best receivers in this class, and he's a close comparable to... Miles Sanders. Nice. He's this year's Miles Sanders. Now, last year we did not have a five-star running back prospect in the class. We didn't have one. There was no Saquon Barkley. There was no Christian McCaffrey. There was no Jonathan Taylor. If you put DeAndre Swift in that 2019 draft class, he would be the number one running back in the class. He has a more impressive prospect profile than Miles Sanders did coming out of Penn State. I am excited to see where he lands. DeAndre Swift in particular, if he can go to a high-octane offense, if DeAndre Swift can go to Houston, mm. oh my, oh my. This is the guy I want to go to either Houston or Tampa Bay. Oh my. We haven't even touched on some of his resume. You can go back to when Alabama was one of the top defenses in the country in 2018, that SEC Conference Championship game where he rushes for 75 yards in a score, catches six passes for 63 in a score. I mean, that just right there kind of illustrates what he can bring to the NFL level. Even when he's running well, if you try to slow down his running, he's so dynamic as a pass catcher. Then, of course, this year against Auburn, who was number 24 in the country, he lights them up on the ground. He's the number two back in the class. I think we agree on that after Jonathan Taylor, who is a tier above everyone. Jonathan Taylor has his own weather system. He's in his own tier. He has his own weather system. Mm. It's interesting when you look at BMI, because DeAndre Swift is two inches shorter than J.K. Dobbins, he has a significantly better BMI, 87th percentile BMI for DeAndre Swift versus 46th percentile BMI for J.K. Dobbins. This is the minutiae that you have to uncover when you're differentiating between two excellent prospects. J.K. Dobbins is excellent. DeAndre Swift is excellent. Cam Akers, excellent. But this is the level that we need to go to differentiate these three guys. Because it's close. It's close between these guys. But I believe if you're ranking two through four, it's got to be Swift, Akers, Dobbins. We agree. Swift, Akers, Dobbins. Two, three, four. Uh, I got to look because I have it pulled up right here. Um, well, you said earlier that you have Akers ahead of Dobbins. If you have Akers ahead of Dobbins, you necessarily have it Taylor, Swift, Akers, Dobbins. That's exactly how I have it. That's how everyone should have it. 100%. Great minds think alike. Mm. You know who doesn't agree with us, Nate? Boy. Who? Sigmund Bloom from Football Guys. I love Sigmund Bloom. I got... I love Sigmund Bloom. He's my guy. We got to be careful here. Tell me about Sigmund Bloom. What has he done? He selected Clyde Edwards Hilaire ahead of Cam Akers and ahead of J.K. Dobbins. What do you think of that? Just happened. The Friends of Roto World post combine mock, bunch of the highest profile fantasy analysts in the business. The Podfather was naturally invited at the 107 picking. Immediately after Sigmund Bloom, I, of course, selected Cam Akers because, of course, I did. Can't believe he was available. But it wasn't just Sigmund Bloom selecting Edward Solaire at the 106. It was Judy going at the 104 and Justin Jefferson going at the 105. Mm. That's why Akers and Dobbins slipped. And this brings me to a critical point, critical aspect of Dynasty League tactics, and that's the trading of picks. 
moving around within a round, sliding up, sliding down to optimize the perceived value of your picks and take advantage of undervalued draft slots. So on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash podfather had a question. Should I trade the 102 and the 110 for Jonathan Taylor? Is that a good idea, Nate? No, it's not a good idea for a multitude of reasons. For starters, as you and I have discussed on multiple episodes over multiple years, we don't know how this this draft is going to break in, in your dynasty league. You don't know that the guy drafting at 101 doesn't feel like his team is really in need of a, a wide receiver with the first pick. And let's say that CeeDee Lamb goes number eight to Arizona and Jonathan Taylor goes number 29 in the draft. And he looks at that draft capital and he looks at his roster and suddenly, boom, he clicks CeeDee Lamb at pick 101 in his draft. And suddenly you were going to move. In this Roto World draft, Mike Clay selected CeeDee Lamb at the 102. There you go. I wouldn't have done that because I typically select running backs in round one. They're more likely to accrue value in year one. And the top running backs outperform, outproduce the top wide receivers in dynasty leagues year in, year out. So if you have the opportunity to select a DeAndre Swift at the 102, I think you do it. But as you mentioned... Not every Dynasty Leaguer listens to the Sonic Truth Podcast. Not every Dynasty Leaguer follows Nate Liss. Not every Dynasty Leaguer knows about the Breakout Finder. Not every Dynasty Leaguer follows Fantasy Mansion. Not every Dynasty Leaguer knows about PlayerProfiler.com. And they may be happy to select CeeDee Lamb at the 102. Or, for whatever reason, the NFL believes J.K. Dobbins is a better running back than Jonathan Taylor. J.K. Dobbins goes out, runs a 4-4-5 at his pro day, and then he becomes the first running back selected overall. And some uninformed individual doesn't realize, who doesn't fully appreciate how good Jonathan Taylor is, goes ahead and selects J.K. Dobbins at the 101. Mm. And you just gave away the 110 for nothing. Never do that. You never do that. You always give your league mates an opportunity to fuck up in front of you. Let your competitors make mistakes and then you capitalize. You're letting them off the hook by trading up. It's the same reason why NFL teams should not be trading up as frequently as they do. Let your competitors fuck up in front of you and take advantage. But if you're overpaying for the 101, you negate that possibility. And you're seeding the advantage that you have over your competition. If you listen to this show, if you follow the Podfather on Twitter, if you know about the Breakout Finder in Roto Underworld, then guess what? You're more informed than your competitors. So take advantage of that by stockpiling more picks, not less, in your rookie draft. See, now I'm really moving. Now I'm really rolling. You, you heard that. Remember earlier? Remember, remember earlier where I froze... When you blowtorched my face in the middle of the arena and I froze and had no response. Remember that? Remember that, Nate? That was a long time ago, wasn't it? That was a long time ago. That was a lot of words ago. Podfather's rolling now, Nate, isn't he? <laughs> I thought we were on the same team. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not just the 102. The same logic applies to the 103, the 104, the 105, the 106, the 107. Why not stay put? Why not stay parked at the 107 and let your competitors 
fuck up in front of you and drop that bluebird into your lap. Beep, 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 beep. Like, what is that little tweeting? Oh, that's nice. That's beautiful. What is that sound? Oh, that's the sound of Cam Akers falling like a feather into your lap. And you push the draft player button. It's really that easy. You don't know exactly who your competitors are going to select. So let them make a mistake. But when you iterate over this, you have to think the 107 is your last chance to get Cam Akers, realistically, right? In a world where these wide receivers get driven up, or you know, or quarterbacks for that matter, depends on what kind of league you play in. If you play in a super flex league, obviously, much better odds that it happens. No, not super flex. No, you can't talk about super flex because then Burrow is in play and Tua is in play in the top five, and then all of a sudden Cam Akers is available at the 109. Even in a regular league, it just means that the wide receivers get a huge bump. It means that a guy like Jalen Rieger gets a jump. A guy like CeeDee Lamb gets a bump. Jerry Judy gets a bump. Those are the typical three I think you're going to see go above any of the other wide receivers in your league. And then at that point, yes, I could see one of these running backs sort of fall behind that group. Don't forget about T. Higgins. If T. Higgins tests well, then he could jump up and... Some Clemson fan in your league selects him at the five spot, mm-hmm. pushing Cam Akers down to the six or the seven. This is what can happen. Let it happen. Let the draft come to you. Now, Dobbins is off the board. Mm-hmm. Akers is off the board. Mm-hmm. Who's next? Who you got? We're going to fight here. I know it. I know we're going to fight. So at number five, I'm going to give a shout out to my man, Matt Waldman. Uh, I'm going to go Clyde Edwards at five. And here's why. Here's why. I I don't dislike Keyshawn Vaughn at all, but I think that Clyde Edwards' production in 2019 Mm -hmm. was not just a byproduct of this offense. I believe it wasn't. (laughs) I'm just saying. I really I do. Okay. I'm just I'm just saying. I really do believe that it wasn't just a byproduct of this. But okay, was the 2019 LSU Tigers one of the best offenses in the history of college football? They were the best offense in the history of college football. Okay. Just writing that down. I'm just taking some notes. I'm just writing down. You understand that's important context. You know, Keyshawn Vaughn went to Vanderbilt, right? And he posted a 40% dominator rating. With over 700 yards as a freshman, true freshman, he went over 700 yards with more than 15 receptions. So he demonstrated an all-purpose skill set with size, 5'10", 214, as a true freshman at Illinois. Lovey Smith's an idiot. Where was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in his rookie season? What was he doing? Well, what was he doing in his sophomore season? What was he doing at any point before last season? Oh, I know. A whole bunch of nothing. Okay, so that's a great point, Matt. So that means by that standard, Miles Sanders should have been bad, correct? It's failed logic. It's not good logic. Let me see if this comparison makes any sense whatsoever. Go ahead. So in 2017, Miles Sanders was competing for touches with Saquon Barkley at Penn State. In 2018... Who was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire competing with at LSU, Nate? Remind me. Uh, Nick, uh, Nick Bro, whatever the fuck. Now you got me on the spot here. Nick Bro? Nick Brosinette? Yeah, Brosinette. There you go. Nick Brosinette was keeping Clyde Edwards-Hilaire off the field. Do you want to know why? Because Brosinette has size. This is what's not discussed enough. It's the same reason why Monte Ball kept James White off the field. He had size, and James White was a satellite back. 
Clyde Edwards-Hilaire does not fit the profile of a bell cow back. He's not big enough. He's electric James White. And electric James White doesn't interest me. When I can have Keyshawn Vaughn. Not big enough. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. You know what? I want the running backs that were banished to the worst offenses in the SEC. That's what I want. So they're facing Alabama and Mississippi and LSU and Georgia and Florida week in, week out and trying to muster yards behind the worst offensive lines in college football. They're trying to score touchdowns as the focal point of anemic offenses who have no one else to turn to. No one else to turn to but Cam Akers. No one else to turn to but Keyshawn Vaughn. That was as far from the experience that Clyde Edwards-Hilaire enjoyed at LSU as you could possibly imagine. Like in fiction, in fiction, you could not create two more polar opposite situations than what Cam Akers suffered under in Florida State versus Clyde Edwards-Hilaire at LSU. Cam Akers is watching Edwards-Hilaire at LSU, and he's shaking his head going, man, I could have caught 80 passes. I could have put up 2,500 yards rushing in that offense. Oh, are you done? Um, I mean, you're the one that says context matters. Uh, no, I would love to go with context matters. I appreciate context more than anyone. Check check this one out, Matt Kelly. You're going to love this one. So, so Clyde Edwards is undersized because you think he's not heavy enough to play the position. So he's undersized. But then we finished 2019 where one, two, three, four of the top six running backs are less than 210 pounds. Mm. Four. Mm. So size is not the problem here. And then secondly, now we're knocking guys for being good in good offenses. What do you want them to be bad in a good offense? The point is the running back position is interdependent. It's damn near impossible to be bad in a great offense. That's the whole point, Nate. I, I don't know what to say. What do you want again? So he's being penalized for being good in a good offense. I suspected Clyde Edwards Hilaire may be a system running back, and then he went to the combine and ran a four six. With incredible bursts, and I've already talked about the fact that I believe that his agility is good. It's he, he didn't test. A lot of the guys had failed agility scores. The ones that tested didn't do well. Numerous guys didn't test at all. So he gets punished for playing in a great offense. He's playing behind a senior in 2018. He's being punished for that, for not usurping him. I'm just saying. So he's, he's getting punished for that as well. And then here's the other fact that you're leaving out, that Clyde Edwards probably goes a full round ahead of Keyshawn Vaughn, maybe two rounds ahead of Keyshawn Vaughn. So draft capital will absolutely be on his side. The NFL loves Clyde Edwards. That's true. If that happens, guess who's going to move ahead of Keyshawn Vaughn in the player profile or rookie rankings? Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, because draft selection matters. Matters a lot, especially for running backs. Yeah, if Keyshawn Vaughn's not drafted in day two, he's not a top five running back. It's that easy. He's not getting drafted in day two. You don't think so? Right now, no, I don't think so. You think Keyshawn Vaughn's a day three running back? I don't think that Keyshawn Vaughn is going to get drafted on day two or day one. No, I don't think so. I've been wrong before. The NFL scouting industrial complex has disappointed me many times. I mean, think about think about the film side of it. And this is why I'm erring on the side of Clyde Edwards, because I think that the draft capital is going to be there. Not that I necessarily think that Keyshawn Vaughn is a, a lesser running back by any means. The NFL is going to love Clyde Edwards because the film grinders have loved him. I think that A.J. Dillon is obviously 
going to go a lot higher than people expect. Zach Moss has all the requisite film tackle breaking that everybody's going to love. He's going to go higher. You think Zach Moss goes before Keyshawn Vaughn? Yes. Oh, that would be fucking stupid. Yes, I do. I do think Zach Moss goes before Keyshawn Vaughn. Oh, my God. What is Zach Moss better at than Keyshawn Vaughn? You know Keyshawn Vaughn's a hell of a tackle breaker too, right? I know, but Zach Moss broke like every every metric that they have for yards after contact, before contact, broken tackles, all of them. He's like the tackle-breaking god. That's right. He's the next David Montgomery. Congratulations, you're David Montgomery. So I don't disagree with this take. You know what launched me as a persona that matters in this business, right? Do you remember? I don't. It was a YouTube clip called Yeah But Tevin Coleman, where I ranted for five to seven minutes about why Tevin Coleman was undervalued in the 2015 draft, I believe. Same draft class as Duke Johnson and David Johnson and Todd Gurley and Melvin Gordon. It's a quality running back class. You know who the film grinders loved in that class, Nate? Oh. Stockpiled with uber talents. You know who the film grinders wanted? David Cobb. Mm. Mm-hmm. David Cobb. Ranking after ranking after ranking, I saw David Cobb ranked ahead of Tevin Coleman and David Johnson. And I lost my fucking mind on that show, Nate. That's why I matter. That's why we're here talking right now. Because the film grinders loved plotter David Cobb's ability to break tackles and accumulate yards after contact. And then what did David Cobb do? Oh, he went to the combine and he ran a four fucking seven and showed everyone why he was destined for irrelevancy in the NFL. Zach Moss does the same thing and the lessons year after year after year after year fail to be internalized, especially in the film grinder community. You go back every year. Last year was David Montgomery. There's a David Montgomery and a David Cobb in every class. You're always going to find a David, but a guy like Tevin Coleman, a guy like Keyshawn Vaughn, they're the Goliaths. Wow. How about that? Wow. 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 How about that? Wow. Told you. I'm on fire. Wow. He's on fire. NBA Jam. Yeah. Like the basketball is a flame. Yeah. Bert the hoop. Charred the net. Who do you have after Keyshawn Vaughn? I'm assuming you have Vaughn at six if you have Edward Solaire at five. Mm. You should, unless you're going to do something crazy. No, that's right. Keyshawn Vaughn after Edward Solaire. Who's after Vaughn? Man, this is, this is a tough one. This was one of the toughest ones that I put in this spot. And I'm ranking him here just because I'm intrigued by it, but... I got A.J. Dillon in this spot. Now, I know that you and I might differ a little bit here, but this is the point where I started to err on the side of the production, the athleticism, and I think teams are going to like his size. Again, I'm kind of baking in the assumed draft capital here, but this guy's a great athlete, so you could do a lot worse at this spot. Very close between Joshua Kelly, A.J. Dillon, and Antonio Gibson in this position. The reason why I lean Joshua Kelly is the same reason why I lean Keyshawn Vaughn. Joshua Kelly checks all the boxes. It's really easy. He has the requisite size. He was a quality pass catcher and productive and athletic. Those are all the boxes as far as I know. It's just that he wasn't a big Debbie guy. He wasn't on the radar until two years ago. 
Yet somehow, the lack of buzz, the deafening silence of Joshua Kelly reverberates years into the future. And that's the name of the show. Joshua Kelly, deafening silence. Mm. What's up, man? This is Joshua Kelly running back from UCLA, and you're listening to The Podfather. I don't understand it. Just because he wasn't recruited to a major conference school out of high school doesn't mean he can't be good. Joshua Kelly is the Justin Jefferson of running backs. If you love Justin Jefferson, then you necessarily like Joshua Kelly for all the same reasons. But I believe that you believe that he's not going to get drafted on day one or two. A.J. Dillon will. And so you're leaning A.J. Dillon thinking this guy's going to get 200-plus carries and he has a 90th percentile speed score, 95th percentile burst score. He has a good chance to be productive, guaranteed touches after getting selected in the top 100 picks. So that's the safe play. A.J. Dillon has a higher floor because he will likely get drafted earlier and he has better size-adjusted athleticism than Joshua Kelly. But I think Joshua Kelly's all-purpose skill set give him more upside. And so in that particular situation where it's so close, I lean upside. I lean Joshua Kelly. I lean Antonio Gibson. Their versatility sets them up to be future bell cow backs in the NFL where A.J. Dillon will likely be nothing more than a high-end grinder, a grinder with explosiveness. And those guys can post RB1 numbers, Mm -hmm. but not consistently year over year. But I absolutely have no problem with someone looking at A.J. Dillon and go, I want to lock in certain value on a high-value pick in the second round. I get why you would do that. Totally understand. It's way more understandable to go A.J. Dillon over Kelly and Gibson than it is Zach Moss. If you had said Zach Moss, I would shut the podcast off. <laughs> shut it down. <laughs> shut it down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Because A.J. Dillon went out and said, yeah, guess what? I'm not necessarily great in the passing game, and they're going to use me between the tackles in the NFL, but I'm damn explosive. Extremely explosive. And that's why we have Dillon ahead of Moss on the player profiler rankings. And yes, I do believe Antonio Gibson will arrive, will show up to rookie camp and let the coaches know, oh yeah, I know I negotiated my deal as a, as a wide receiver to maximize my earnings in this gladiator spectacle, but uh, I think we all know from the senior bowl, I'm a running back. Mm. And he looks like David Johnson. So Antonio Gibson is the ceiling play. A.J. Dillon is the floor play. You agree? Totally agree. I love that. Yep. And as dismissive as I am about Zach Moss, I do believe he's a top 10 running back. I think if you're going to put him outside the top 10, that's just too hot takey. So we have him in the top 10, of course. Followed closely by Eno Benjamin. Eno Benjamin's more explosive than Zach Moss, but Zach Moss having the size advantage, the extra 15 pounds with a similar skill set, Eileen Moss, because he's closer to a traditional workhorse than Eno Benjamin. I think that's the tiebreaker between a guy like Moss and a guy like Benjamin. You like Joshua Kelly, Pac-12 guy. Here's Eno Benjamin, another Pac-12 guy. So when we're comparing production profiles, it's on a similar scale here in terms of level of competition. And the thing about Eno Benjamin is that receiving production really stands out. I mean, that that slick pass-catching ability is always going to be something that holds that allure. And Eno Benjamin, yes, from Senior Bowl to this, his weight, the fluctuation, he's 207 now. I don't know. People say it's a water weight gain, I guess. I don't know what the full story is here. 
But at 207, that's still that's still good enough for a, a you know a manageable role in the NFL. Do I think he's a three down back? No, I don't necessarily think that Eno Benjamin is a three down back. No, he's Duke Johnson. He's a close comp to Duke Johnson. Where Clyde Edwards Hilaire has no close comps, Eno Benjamin has a multitude of close comps, one of them being Duke Johnson. Best case scenario, he's Aaron Jones. More likely, Duke Johnson. And I'm sorry, I apologize to Eno Benjamin that I pushed him down the rankings before giving him a chance to test, to weigh in and test at the Combine. I'm sorry, Eno. I fucked that up. We fucked that up. On behalf of everyone at Player Profiler, Roto Underworld, the Sonic Truth Podcast, Breakout Finder, Eno Benjamin, we are sorry. Oh, we oh we are so sorry. And I'm so sorry that you weren't more efficient at Arizona State. It's <laughs> still really fucking good. <laughs> God. He was also a monster in high school. Alex Dunlap reminded me what a monster Eno Benjamin was in the state of Texas. Mm. Which is cool to know. That he's withstood a monster workload in both high school and college and takes immaculate care of his body to ensure that he doesn't break down. You had a huge workload in high school and pretty big workload now. How does your body feel, be honest? Uh, my body, I don't have any issues with my body. How do you stay so healthy? Um, I think It's amazing. I think I've always thought of being proactive. I'm instead of reactive, take care of it on the front end so that you yeah. don't have to worry about it on the back end. Um, so I was always in the ice tub, hot tub, Norma Tech boots, really just getting my body, maintaining my body, and keeping myself fresh. Cool. What about Anthony McFarlane? Is this the point where we start talking Anthony McFarlane? Yeah, I think so, right? So are we now we're sitting at about, what, running back 12, 13 at this point? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is this is that time when you want to, you know, hit on some upside. Upside back. I think NFL teams are going to fall in love with the speed. Should he go to the DMV and change his name to Anthony McUpside? <laughs> um, <laughs> so ridiculous. Uh, uh, no, I don't think he should. I think that's a terrible idea. Uh, I think that's one of the worst ideas I've heard. Don't do that. But yeah, this this is another one of these names. We're now we're down in that Edo Benjamin range, that Anthony McFarlane range. Um, these are guys that Eno certainly tested better than I thought he would. Oh, Eno Benjamin blew my hair back, but so did Anthony McFarlane. Four, four, four. Were you expecting that from Anthony McFarlane? He's only two oh eight though, so he and Benjamin are a similar size. Well, it didn't help Ceh. We're talking about satellite back plus backs, and we have Clyde Edwards-Helaire ranked much higher than the other satellite back plus backs in this class. I feel like I'm doing system running back Clyde Edwards-Helaire a favor. Wow. And you continue to call back to our criticism of Edwards-Helaire. It's not really a criticism. I mean, it is. He's overrated, but Anthony McFarlane, right? You're you're baking draft capital into CEH's rank just like I'm baking it in. Because you know it's going to be there. A guy like McFarlane, not on the same level. This is a guy that probably ends up as a, a round five running back. I mean, especially at his size, his profile, coming from Maryland. You know you love that freshman season, though. Thousand yards as a freshman? Yeehaw! So, <laughs> no, I think that this this is the point in the draft where we have to talk about we have to talk about just hitting on upside. And, and you know, we're, we've already reached that point where we're beyond these first four, five running backs, six running backs that we trust. I think A.J. Dillon has a good floor. I think you think he has a good floor. Once you get to A.J. Dillon, you're talking about running backs with 
blatant flaws. A.J. Dillon can't catch. That's a flaw. Anthony McFarlane also underwhelmed in the passing game. Only 24 receptions in his career at Maryland, and he was often pulled off the field for Javon Leak. Mm -hmm. And if Javon Leak were super explosive, you could explain it. But Javon Leak flamed out in the athletic testing at the NFL Scouting Combine. So in light of Javon Leak's underwhelming athleticism, it's more difficult to rationalize Anthony McFarlane's lackluster production at Maryland. But, but... As an upside play, you're chasing that 4-4-4 speed. At this point, you're looking for traits that pop to set the upside bar. And Anthony McFarlane has that. But you could also argue that Darrington Evans mm-hmm. has even more upside, right? Mm-hmm. This is a guy, i got to give credit to Ryan Lopes. This is a guy that he was a big fan of. Um, but yeah, his his combine runs a 4-4-1. 203 pounds now, but runs a 4-4-1, 82nd percentile burst score. Again, no agility score registered. But this is the type of guy, if if you're going to take a chance on upside, oh yes, why not take a chance on this type of player? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Darrington Evans in the fourth round all day, and I would consider him in the late third round as well. It's difficult to select him in the third round because there will be a number of quality wide receiver prospects available in the third round of Dynasty Rookie Drafts, so you're hoping to get him in the fourth. This is the perfect fourth-round pick. Just like Aaron Jones coming out of UTEP three years ago, Darrington Evans ideally gets drafted in the fifth round, doesn't garner a lot of attention by draft analysts, goes to a team that already has an established primary back. Keep Darrington Evans under the radar. Let me go draft him in the fourth round of rookie draft, stash him on my taxi squad, and then an injury happens in front of him on the depth chart, and boom, he pops off. Mm. Another small school guy, James Robinson. Hello, James Robinson. And when you go to the James Robinson profile on playerprofiler.com, you say, oh, hello. Oh, 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 hello. He's closely comparable to Kenneth Dixon in a good way. In a good way. You want to be comparable to Kenneth Dixon. Kenneth Dixon was an all-purpose stud at Louisiana Tech. He just didn't fire in the NFL for whatever reason. You want to be comparable to that guy. James Robinson He's 5'9", 219, 88th percentile BMI with the incredible burst and agility. I mean, his size-adjusted agility is even more impressive than his burst. Yeah, and again, this is sort of an opposite end of the spectrum. This isn't a speedy running back by any means, but he's got the feature size, and he's got the agility and the burst. So it is an interesting hedge because by the point that you're looking at James Robinson in a rookie draft, we're, we're deep in this draft now. We're very deep. Oh, we're deep. We're very deep. I still prefer Darrington Evans. Darrington Evans is smaller, but I want that speed. Well, that and, and Darrington Evans is, has played against a lot of top-tier competition. I mean, despite the fact that he did play for Appalachian. Appalachian State happens to play a lot of big-name schools, I've noticed. They do. I mean, and that's how they end up ranked so highly in these these college ranks by the end of the career. But you know, he's, he's played against a lot of big schools. So 
he's more battle tested versus top tier competition, and he's got that high end speed. So I think obviously if when it's one for one, you're clearly leaning on Evans here. Fool me once with Marshawn Kuprich from Illinois State. Fool me twice mm. with D'Angelo Henderson from Coastal Carolina. <laughs> And watch him fool me three times with James Robinson. And watch him fool me three times with James Robinson from Illinois State. This is this is getting gross now. I think we're going to go out on that. I would talk about Rico Doddle, but he's not a small school guy. And we talked about him at length on the Mind of Mansion show. Danny Kelly loves some Rico Doddle. And he brought up an incredible point. This running back class is unique in that we have a Swift and a Doddle. So super mm. fast and super slow sounding names. <laughs> I mean, poor Rico Doddle, man. Who knew he was going to go into a profession where speed mattered? He might not. <laughs> he might not. Yes, you're right. That's so right. He's not guaranteed. Where's Rico Doddle get drafted? What round? I mean, this, these are always the tough one. I don't know. He, he likely goes undrafted. That, that would be my guess. What? I think he... Yeah, I think he probably goes undrafted. This is a guy that doesn't have immense college production, number one. So let's just start there right off the bat. So this means these teams are going to have to fall in love with the tape here. The number two, you know, the athleticism, again, another good burst score. Nice athleticism. Nice burst score. 40-yard dash is pretty good. 4-5-4, 213 pounds. Not a, not a sub-4-5 guy like some of the guys at the top of the class. But I, I think people are going to look at that college production, I mean, the same way that you were picking apart other running backs for, you know, not necessarily like dominating a backfield. And South Carolina hasn't been running the ball like crazy over the past couple of years. But again, this isn't a guy that's that's taken over the backfield by any means, especially, you know, looking at 2019. You started off hot, raptored my face off. And now you're taking out Danny Kelly, our friend Danny Kelly. Can't show his face as a Rico Donald tout any longer. You, you, yes, you can. I mean, he's not touting him as a... I mean, I'm assuming now that the way that you He said Rico this, Donald's a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. No, he did <laughs> He put his credibility on the line. Oh, uh, if he if he gets drafted... <laughs> like Fusu Vu having Fournette outside the top 10. Oh, my God. Fusu Vu. I, I think our audience thinks we're going to have him on again. Like we should be 
quite honest with everybody. If it wasn't readily obvious the last time he was on here, he is one of the worst interviews on on social media. Matt's 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 uh, disappeared out of scene here momentarily. Listen, I love Fusu. What are you doing to Fusu Vu? You're killing him. This guy's getting it from every angle. Twitter banned him, and now you're calling him bad at podcasting. This poor guy. Fusu is the perfect example of the book was better than the movie. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. He's Lone Survivor. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Lone Survivor was a great book. And then I heard the movie would star Mark Wahlberg. So I went ahead and didn't watch it. Guys like Mark Wahlberg, they just make friends in Hollywood. They're friendly, fun guys. And they make friends with directors and producers. And they just find ways to put them in movies. He keeps himself in great shape. And he makes a lot of friends. And congratulations. I mean, that's cool. But I don't have to watch your movies as a leading man. He's super jacked. There's no doubt about it. How many pull-ups you think he could do? I need to see him in more military-themed movies. You didn't like him in Shooter or you did like him in Shooter? He's either on an emergency response team or he's in some elite military unit. If he's not doing one of those two things, he's not acting. He's just somewhere drinking a protein shake. He's just <laughs> he's just so jacked. What are you going to do? He's just added to the pile of these cliche leading men that don't move the needle any longer, especially with young people. Mm. But there's a huge difference between a guy like Mark Wahlberg and a guy like Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is legit. Tom Cruise is in a movie, I'm interested. Mark Wahlberg has the opposite effect. <laughs> You're not giving him enough credit for Ted and Ted 2, obviously. Hey, 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 hey. Looks like a great movie. I had to go see that. Who's in it? Mark Wahlberg. Never mind. <laughs> he might listen to this podcast. We don't know that. And he takes himself so seriously. He won't let anyone call him Marky Mark. You were Marky Mark. You called yourself Marky Mark. You put out an album where you were called Marky Mark. It'd be like if 10 years from now, I wouldn't answer to the Podfather. And if someone called me the Podfather in an interview or called me the Podfather on the street, that I would get offended. Like that I would be indignant. Fuck out of here. I decided to call myself the Podfather and create this persona. This Podfather mm -hmm. persona, that shit's forever, man. Marky Mark's forever. You can't rewrite history. You're Marky Mark. Own it. It's true. Jesus Christ. This guy. Great guy, though. Seems like a good guy. Yeah, great guy. Great guy. Love to hang out with him, have a beer. Yeah. Mark, if you're listening, call me. <laughs> so, yeah, hey, Nate, I also got a new car. Did you? Yep, I got a new bunny and a new car back-to-back -back days. What did you get, Matt Kelly? A... 2017 Porsche Macan GTS. Oh my god. You did it. You did it. It was it's amazing. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. We were coming home from the uh, animal shelter with this rabbit, these winding roads in Easton, Connecticut. Mhm. Mm <laughs> my my wife and daughter were like, "Dad, what are you doing?" I'm like, "Don't worry." In the Batman voice, this car can handle turns. Just bombing around. I was just bombing around corners. Oh my, Matt Kelly. The bunny was holding on for dear life. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have to get the bunnies on the uh, on the show sometime. I'll lift mine up if I can catch it. Oh, uh, that's what I was thinking. Well, thanks for blasting me for my uh, Patreon account. Dude, that Dobbins thing was really woof. 
My hair is still out of place from that. I like to, yeah, I like to come correct one time per episode. I think you came correct twice. Did I? Yeah, came correct twice. It was Edward Hilaire. I like Hilaire, but we're not gonna agree here. That's fine. Where you don't, I know you don't hate him. He's one spot off from where I have him. So, here's what's gonna happen. We're gonna make our case. We're gonna come out and say, hey, for the record, we like Keyshawn Vaughn as a top five running back. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be on the record. Draft will happen. Mm-hmm. They'll switch spaces. But I'll always have that timestamp take so we can go back and remind everyone that we loved Keyshawn Vaughn, even if things shift after the draft and we necessarily have to move Edward Solaire into the top five because he's an early second rounder. Smart. Got to keep those receipts. I play this game better than anybody. You do a great job, Matt Kelly. We do a great Bobcast, Nate. Every week. This is Michael P. Ryan. You're listening to the Sonnet Truth Dynasty Bobcast. They said that on Reddit. They said they love that it's a Bobcast now. <laughs> this is Michael P. Ryan. You're listening to the Sonnet Truth Dynasty Bobcast. Oh, Reddit's a good bunch, man. I pop over there pretty often just to drop a line. You know that we should do the Yup Nope segment again. Oh, no. Oh, no. Admittedly, I have contributed nothing to this show sheet. It looks like I've done not a lot. I'm in a I'm in a mock draft. Do you want to check that out? Clicked on that. Is that the one with Mike Clay? Oh yeah, dude. Rotopat is fucking up, man. <laughs> he took Cole Komet before Joshua Kelly. Mm. That you can't do. I see Anthony McFarlane going before Kelly. I see Albert Okwabonum going before Joshua Kelly. KJ Hamler. Sig Bloom. 106. Big nuts. Big nuts. But look who we took him over. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. Big nuts. Sigmund Bloom selected Clyde Edwards Hilaire ahead of Dobbins and Akers. Now, now I would counterintuitive by going Akers. Most people would go Dobbins there. Yeah. I mean, Dobbins, Akers. I mean, they're close. Edwards Hilaire. That's a stretch. Yeah, man. The Edward Solaire profile is very interesting. I mean, he has certainly turned into the tape guy running back. I like him. How has he become the tape guy running back? How is that possible? He's he's just the tape guy running back, man. They love him. Oh, that's what happened. I mean, that's why Sig had to go on brand there. I totally get why he did it. I'm just it's just shocking to see with some of the names on this board here. Yeah, you go Acres right after him. It, it's not good. Yeah, it says it took you two minutes to pick Acres, so good for you. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> wasn't a difficult decision at all. Not tough. Um, yeah, he's 10 pounds heavier, and he produced in spite of the worst possible conditions for a running back I've ever seen. It's pretty bad. Yeah. The worst offensive line in college football. The fewest yards blocked in Division One. He did it all on his own as a runner and as a receiver. If anyone has an argument that they should be the 101 over Jonathan Taylor, it's not actually DeAndre Swift. It's Cam Akers because I think Cam Akers is the second highest ceiling among all the running backs in this class. I was asked this on Reddit. Did you see my Reddit thread? I saw you had an AMA. I saw somebody do their best uh, Ryan Lopes impression. Yep, there was a Ryan Lopes impression. That was fun. 
Uh, I can't believe Cole Komet. I can't believe KJ Hamler went this early without having tested at all. What if he goes out and runs a 4-4-40? If he runs a 4-4-40, he's dead. He's got to run a 4-3-5 to be relevant in the NFL at that size. Yeah, yeah. Well, that and he's going to run it at his pro day. So if you run, he's, I mean, he's going to have to run a 4-3 at his pro day. Ryan McDowell knows exactly what he's doing. He followed up my Akers pick with the Dobbins pick, and then he followed up my Keyshawn Vaughn pick with the Antonio Gibson pick. He's on it. And he is going to feel sniped when I go, Joshua Kelly. (laughs) What's up, man? This is Joshua Kelly running back from UCLA, and you're listening to the Podfather. There's three rounds, and I'm going to draft three running backs. I plan to take wide receiver in the third round, but I had no idea Joshua Kelly would be available. Mm. What's up, man? This is Joshua Kelly running back from UCLA, and you're listening to the Podfather. I'm happy to go receiver in the third round. I love third-round wide receivers this year. <laughs> love, 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 love the opportunity to draft Michael Pittman, Brian Edwards, Tyler Johnson could all conceivably fall into the third round. Mm. The, the way things are trending with Edwards... He's going to be an early third-round pick before you know it. We still haven't seen the pro days come in. Wait until some of these pro day times come in. Just wait. Just wait. Some of these pro day agility scores. Woo! You see Pat Thorman took LaVisca over T. Higgins and Denzel Mims. I did. I love that. I love that. And Tagliere going rugs ahead of all those guys. I love it. 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 Yeah, it just pushes people down. Yeah, look at that late-round quarterback sitting there right on Denzel. And then uh, Mike Taglier went Bryson Hopkins at the 210. That was a reach. Mm, mm. Yeah, interesting. I don't understand what's not to like about Joshua Kelly. What's up, man? This is Joshua Kelly running back from UCLA, and you're listening to The Podfather. I mean, this is why I love and hate Debbie. Because Devi sets this precedent on players, and it's so hard to get off that precedent. Joshua Kelly comes out of, comes from a different supply chain. He doesn't come to the Devi ranks. He wasn't recruited out of high school. No one knew his name two years ago. And it's amazing to me how that somehow permeates the thought processes of fantasy footballers. The two guys that are into Devi that I know in this draft are Ray Garvin and Ryan McDowell. Do you think Ryan Lopes was mad that Ray Garvin got the invite into this mock draft and he didn't? Come on, bro. Is that a serious question? Come on. Come on. Lopes not getting... Lopes is getting sniped. Lopes (laughs) snubbed and sniped. He's not Ryan Lopes. He's Ryan sniped. Yeah. Once again. Jeez. Ray's always just going to be daddy's number one, I guess. Ray Garvin is just eating everyone's content lunch. Mm. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, the Podfather's grandfathered in in all these situations. I've done a lot of work, man. I've dug the trenches. I have the respect among the working men and women in the fantasy football community. I'm grandfathered in. Mm. Even if later in life I become a clown, I put the work in. You met Matt Waldman at Senior Bowl? I I walked past him, and, and it was a brief introduction as we were going to our seats to watch the weigh-in. He goes, he goes, which day two receiver paired with Burrow would you be most excited for? And I wrote Justin Jefferson, of course. But you already have the rapport factor built in. 
There's some clever answers in here. I mean, obviously, put those guys back together. That's what I love about Reddit. Guys just start going at each other, having conversations with each other. Should Denzel Mims be taken in the first round of Superflex rookie drafts? No. <laughs> so much wide receiver talk in the first round. It's like, I can't believe how many people are still drafting wide receiver in the first round. It's crazy to me. Someone asked, are undersized sweatpants optimal for sweatpant boners? I would say no. I would say that reduces the amount of rubbing and friction. Mm. That you want the oversized sweatpants to maximize the surface area of the interface with the sweatpant and the penis. Fuck, Mary kill. Chris Harris, Michael Fabiano, Mike Clay. It's <laughs> good. You think that's good? It's just funny, man. This is Reddit. This is what they do. You notice I didn't answer that. Yeah. It's not really an ask me anything. It's an ask me any good question. I don't have to answer any question. And if it's not a good question, I'm not going to dignify it with a response. I don't want to marry any of those guys. I don't want to fuck any of those guys. And I don't want to kill any of those guys. So what the fuck kind of question is that? It's hard to answer. It's an impossible question to answer. It's a waste of my time and every Redditite's time. Yeah, you can go fuck yourself, Tupot. <laughs> Here's one. Auction Dynasty Startup, standard scoring. He goes, what three guys are you making sure you end up with? I'm like, standard scoring? Jesus Christ. I don't know. Chubb, Geis, and Jonathan Taylor? I mean, just... Yeah. How do you have that standard scoring? Like, it's just all that matters is running backs. It's just it's like a single position. Yeah, reading by candlelight. Every other position is obsolete if you make it standard scoring. It's just... Who has the best running backs? You win. Nobody's playing standard scoring, Matt. That's churning your own butter, making your own candles. It's all that. Did we talk about Claypool in the last show, whether he should convert to tight end? Some team inevitably is going to fall in love with the big wide receiver, but it's probably in his best interest to turn into a Darren Waller, like move tight end. But everybody loved DGB. They called his size rare. Now, now we've got Claypool coming in and all of a sudden he needs to convert. So I don't know. People pick a narrative and run with it. It's really sad that the guys with the great breakout ages, none of them have good athleticism. It's really fucking sad. We're in the thick of it, aren't we? Jonathan Taylor is interesting because I think he's still undervalued. The audience could benefit from us spending some time on running backs today. Okay. In sort of rookie draft strategy, people are now trying to trade picks mm-hmm. and try to figure out what to do with their first round. So let's kind of talk through the first round and how to navigate it, especially in the context of this Roto World draft, which reminds you that a lot of people, not everyone is a sicko diehard Dynasty Leaguer listening to the Sonic Truth podcast. There are worlds where Cam Akers and J.K. Dobbins go at the 107 and the 108. It's crazy, but you assuming that the 107 isn't good enough and you need to trade up, fucking wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. So I, I don't want to fuck those guys. I don't want to kill those guys. I don't want to marry those guys. Stupid question. This is this is what we're doing. This is an adult who calls himself Bucky. Buck shots at Bucky. A 43-inch vertical. Wait, wait, wait. A, a what vertical? The historical production and athleticism is evident. It's already out there. We already know. Nobody's questioning his athleticism. J.K. Dobbins ain't in there. J.K. Dobbins ain't close. And you know who definitely isn't in there? You know who barely registered a dominator rating at all at LSU? Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Because Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is a system running back. 
I like Cam Akers more than I like Dobbins. So I said, well, J.K. Dobbins needs to gain 10 pounds and then get in a time machine and go back and catch more passes from bad quarterbacks and create more yards behind a terrible offensive line. I don't have a response to that. I think I think I got to go ahead and take Dobbins now. Oh, for Christ's sakes. Wait, what? Wait, you just did all that? You killed me for no reason? I'm dead. I'm dead in the, in the middle of the ring. I don't have a face. Well, why did you do that to me? I mean, I've never enjoyed dying more. Whoa, 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 whoa. Do you want me to go back in time and not help you with the breakout finder? What do you want me to do? You want me to go back in time and give him a hyperlink that doesn't work? You never gloss over Jonathan Taylor. Genuflect at the feet of Jonathan Taylor. May I? Oh. Oh, wow. It's, it's quiet all of a sudden. All right. Well, let me try. Listen. He's an indisputable top five running back prospect of all time. I was asked on Reddit who has the highest ceiling among the running backs in this class. <laughs> I just laughed. Like, of course it's Jonathan Taylor. You don't overthink this. And I was asked, well, who has the highest floor? <laughs> I laughed again. <laughs> of course it's Jonathan Taylor. Oh, I'm sorry, Nate, you were saying about Jonathan Taylor? I don't want to talk about Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Let's move on. Do you know who else has one of the best size-adjusted agility scores in the player profiler database? Who's that? Jonathan Taylor! <laughs> Eleven twenty-five agility score is 66 percentile at 226 pounds. <laughs> I do declare my heart aches for Mr. Jonathan Taylor. Oh, the things that this man will do for all of us debutantes at the NFL level. Oh, for Christ's sakes. So he was sharing the field with another elite talent. So who, who was his teammate? What's his name? Swift Acres Dobbins. Two, three, four. Uh, I got to look because I have it pulled up right here. Um, uh, I got to look because I have it pulled up right here. Um, uh, I got to look because I have it pulled up right here. Um, um, um. Remember that, Nate? That was a long time ago, wasn't it? That was a long time ago. That was a lot of words ago. Podfather's rolling now, Nate, isn't he? Fair enough. Beep, 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 beep. Like, what is that little tweeting? Oh, that's nice. That's beautiful. What is that sound? Oh, that's the sound of Cam Akers. We're going to fight here. I know it. I know we're going to fight. <laughs> okay. They were the best offense in the history of college football. Okay. Lovey Smith's an idiot. What was he doing at any point before last season? Oh, I know. A whole bunch of nothing. Clyde Edwards' production in 2019 was not just a byproduct of this offense. I believe it wasn't. Now we're knocking guys for being good in good offenses. What, do you want him to be bad in a good offense? He's electric James White. And electric James White doesn't interest me. Nick, uh, Nick, bro, whatever the fuck. Now you got me on the spot here. I appreciate context more than anyone. What, do you want him to be bad in a good offense? What are you doing to Fusu Vu? You're killing him. Fair enough. You think Zach Moss goes before Keyshawn Vaughn? Yes. Oh, that would be fucking stupid. Yes. Congratulations, you're David Montgomery. Yes. You know what launched me as 
a persona that matters in this business, right? Do you remember? I don't. Thousand yards as a freshman? Yeehaw! Mmm. Nate, you're hilarious. Gonna fool me three times with James Robinson. Mmm. <laughs> ranking after ranking after ranking, I saw David Cobb ranked ahead of Tevin Coleman and David Johnson, and I lost my fucking mind on that show, Nate. Mmm. Should he go to the DMV and change his name to Anthony McUpside? Mmm. Keeping myself fresh. Cool. Totally agree. I love that. Yep. You know, Benjamin, we are sorry. Oh, we oh we are so sorry. And I'm so sorry that you weren't more efficient at Arizona State. Totally agree. I love that. Yep. You're always going to find a David, but a guy like Tevin Coleman, a guy like Keyshawn Vaughn, they're the Goliaths. I'm on fire. Wow. If you had said Zach Moss, I would shut the podcast off. That's um, that's graphic and sounds traumatizing. <laughs> I mean, I've never enjoyed dying more. Thumper was killed by a wild dog.